0: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. I am Drew here again as usual with Josh and Connor. Guys, how's the week been in quarantine? How's it going for you guys right now?
2: Uh, For me, it's same old, same old. I do still have the mustache, still going strong. In fact, um, some people might say it's it's looking even bigger than before. So, so far, some positive reviews. And uh, other than that nothing
0: much that's glad you can actually grow facial hair uh yeah i'm not i'm lacking in that department I uh, shaved again yesterday for the one time a week that i do it at this point so week's going pretty well canada it's snowing again because canada um just wish we could get over that hump but it's dragging us down so hopefully next week's a little nicer than it was this week
1: Yeah, it's like weirdly cold in Georgia right now. Like, I went outside today, and maybe it's just because of the wind where I'm living, but it was pretty cold today, a lot colder than I thought a May afternoon in Georgia would be. But yeah, so it's pretty normal week, the same old, same old, like Josh said. But we are—looks like we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel because this weekend we have live soccer again with the Bundesliga starting Saturday. First uh, match—I think two matches kick off at 9.30— with Dortmund and Red Bull, Red Bull Lesbeck. Uh, so Dortmund's playing Osberg at 9.30, and Red Bull Lesbeck is playing Freiburg at 9.30 as well. So we're still pretty new, and I don't think we've talked at all about our European soccer teams, guys. So with the Bundesliga starting Saturday, who who do you guys support? Who are you guys pulling for this year?
2: Connor, tell us uh, tell us what... Tell tell our listeners what we we were just discussing.
0: So before the show, I made a comment to the guys that they better not be Dortmund fans because of Christian Pulisic. Promptly, immediately after that, I admitted that I'm a FC Bayern fan because of Alphonso Davies. So I'm a massive hypocrite, and I will admit that very openly. I'm also doing this because a person who I audio produce another podcast for, Rachel Dory. You may have heard of her. She does the Staff and podcast, which is hockey-related. She's a hard, hard, hardcore Byron fan, so I feel like in order to stay in her good books, I'd also have to say Byron. But I just like Byron. I'm not much of a European soccer guy, personally. Don't really pay that much attention. I'll watch it just to enjoy the soccer, but I don't follow it as hardcore as some people do. Josh, you mentioned before we talked that you have an interesting story behind your team. Who is your team in the Bundesliga?
2: So the uh, the main Bundesliga team that I've been following for a few years now is uh, Schalke. Uh, I think the full name is FC Schalke 04, they started in 1904, but the only reason that I am remotely interested West in Schalke. Weston McKinney. It's not because of Weston McKinney. Nope, it's not because of him. I actually didn't know he was on the team when I sort of started following them. In fact, he might not have even been on the team at that point. I can't remember. But no, I started somewhat following Schalke because my girlfriend at the time, now X, her father actually was born uh, near... Where the team is based. I don't know the... You know what? I, I think I remember the city, but I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to say it. I'll just butcher it. German is not a language I have in my wheelhouse. That being said, he was born in Germany and grew up a Schalke fan, been to plenty of games, uh, grew up near there. So uh, because my ex-girlfriend's dad was a Schalke fan, that's the team I started to follow. So I still follow Schalke, although last year was incredibly rough they nearly were relegated Uh, they're doing a little bit better this year and they will be playing this weekend so I'm looking forward to watching them again Uh, now Drew I know we were talking about no one's allowed to be a Dortmund fan because of Christian Pulisic you found a way to circumvent that
1: I have. So I am a Dortmund fan. Um, and the Christian Ballistic thing, that was really cool. But the thing that got me on Dortmund was Jurgen Klopp when he was still managing them, which we'll talk in a second about our Premier League teams. And I kind of go away from the Jurgen Klopp train and the PEPL. But Jurgen Klopp is the coolest guy in the world. He's such a good manager. And Christian Ballistic, I mean, that does help. It's cool to have like somewhat of a connection, even though he's on the national team. Like They don't get to see him week in and week out so it's kind of cool to have that connection even to a European team and now with Jordi Reyna being there it's kind of this weird like American Dortmund connection and also with the Bayern Munich thing I love supporting the underdogs and Bayern Munich is just this big bad they're like the Patriots of the Bundesliga they win every year and it's so frustrating but I do enjoy seeing Davies succeed there So between the Jurgen Klopp and the underdog mentality and the wall, like this stadium atmosphere just from seeing stuff on Twitter looks so cool. So that's why I picked Dortmund. One of my first ever soccer jerseys was, I think it was a Robert Lewandowski Dortmund jersey, which now he's a traitor and left us for Munich. But so that's a pretty cool piece of soccer memorabilia that I got. But so I am a Dortmund fan, not because of Christian Pulisic, even though – don't mind them having the Dortmund roots at one bit. But speaking, keep, keeping with European soccer, uh, the EPL just announced, I think today, that they are looking at a June first start date, and it was approved um, by the English government. So that's looking like a possibility. EPL a little more popular than I think the Bundesliga is here in the U.S. Um, who are your guys EPL teams for this year? So.
2: Uh just real quick to circle back to your, your Jurgen Klopp point, Drew. Uh, you were talking about, you know, he seems like he's such a cool guy. I actually have a list that I keep of, of five uh, celebrities, famous people that I would love to spend a day with, and Jurgen Klopp is on that list of top five. So
1: he better be like I'm number with you. one.
2: I mean, I, there's no like specific ranking from one to five. It's just five <laughs> people that I feel like I would love to just spend a day with, but. Yeah, Klopp's definitely up there. Um, so, EPL, for me, uh, I am a Tottenham Hotspur follower. I'm a Spurs fan, unfortunately. Uh, it's funny because after the fact, they're kind of like the Atlanta of the EPL. They're like they're competitive. Now, not Atlanta United. I mean like Atlanta sports in general. They're like competitive every year, but they never win anything. So, uh, I was... I decided to start following Spurs because of Darren Yields, the Atlanta United president. He came over from Tottenham. That was his previous employer. So that was the only team I could really think of at the time when I started really trying to watch uh, European soccer. So as far as EPL goes, Spurs is my team. Uh, unfortunately, despite last year's awesome Champions League run, uh, what about you, Connor? Do you have any EPL team that you somewhat follow?
0: Well, personally, I am of Scottish heritage, so I haven't been a huge supporter of English soccer teams. Saying that, I also haven't followed the Scottish Premier League, so I'm, again, a massive hypocrite. But I don't really have a specific team in England. Uh, If I had to take one, I'd probably take one of the Glasgow clubs. But I'll go with Cardiff just because they have... Junior Hoylett. him, or again, I also like Jurgen Klopp because he seems like a great guy. So maybe Liverpool, but that feels like a bandwagon. Uh, Or I could even go Newcastle uh, because of Miguel Almiron. So I am open to your suggestions and your swaying of my opinions. I feel like I know who Drew's team is going to be based on the fact of his first pick and the reasoning behind it. So, Drew, tell me why your team is Liverpool. It is not
1: Liverpool, not by a mile. You actually mentioned... Traitor. Well, no, nah, not by a chance. My team, and you just mentioned him, is Newcastle. Yes. And oh it's my. like... Oh, he, so, that his, his like, role in that 2018 team was so good, and I loved him so much. So, he's like 95% of the reason I support Newcastle. And European soccer is just so it's hard to really get invested in because it's so far away and like you don't get to go to games and it feels like it's this just select group of clubs that are winning the championships every year, like the big six. So getting to have somewhat of a connection with Elmer on leaving and going to Newcastle was so cool. And also, and this is where my fanhood gets weird, but I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Sunderland till I die, that really awesome Netflix documentary Like, seeing the passion those supporters had for Sunderland, like, such a small club, was so cool to me. And I think back to, like, Leicester City's run, and when they won the league, it was bonkers. Like, someone besides these big, multi-billion-dollar clubs actually won the title. And because of that, like, small-club, underdog outlook on the season, between that and Almiron, Newcastle seemed like the way to go because I don't think they're gonna be winning the league anytime soon but if by some miracle
0: I beg to differ oh, yeah the whole
1: takeover thing man we don't know what's going on um
0: if that takeover happens Newcastle calling it right now they could be one of the best teams in Europe yeah so
1: I'm not yeah I'm not a lifelong Newcastle fan but I've been about two years and it's it's been been a good two years but if they were to like pull a Leicester and win the league that would be so cool um, just to have like the underdog and just to see Amaron win an EPL title would be so cool so it's pretty funny that a Sunderland documentary kinda got my Newcastle support because I think those two teams hate each other because I think they were both in the northeastern part of England so I'm 100% a Newcastle supporter um, pretty much because Almiron. Uh Chelsea's kinda cool to follow because of Pulisic but I think I'm more pulling for just him individual success because it's just another one of those big clubs and if they win the title it's not that special so i'm 100 percent on the newcastle wagon for this season
0: yeah i back that opinion uh i'm sure true jordy would like that opinion as well but i think the takeover is going to be really interesting to see if it actually happens could be a huge injection of money in newcastle and who knows you could see guys like some of the biggest names on the planet playing for newcastle at some point and Having them partner up with Miguel Almaraz would be pretty sick, although I think if that happens, Mickey might be on a boat out of there, but who knows? Uh will be exciting either way, adding another big-name club to the Premier League. With the Premier League, obviously they've announced that they're resuming play starting June 1st, and England was hit pretty hard by the coronavirus and COVID-19, and it wasn't the best scenario, uh, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, their coronavirus response and how people dealt with it. Uh, I know they, I want to say they had like one of the highest infection rates in Europe, which obviously is not good, but they're getting back going into soccer pretty soon because it's such a huge part of their culture and will be a huge morale booster. Where do you guys see MLS landing? Because obviously it was announced last week that they teams will be allowed to resume training with only specific specific players taking part in solo training sessions. Do you think that MLS is as close as these European teams, or do you think they're still a few months off?
1: Yeah, I think, I think we're a little behind. I think we are a few months off because I think it really could point it back to the size of the United States and how many very big cities are being hit at different rates like you have cities. I think Phoenix... Um, has not been hit that hard, but then you have cities like New York City and Seattle, um, which were unfortunately hit pretty difficult. So when you try and balance that out and you have different governors saying different things, so when you're dealing with the possibility of traveling from Atlanta to NYCFC for a game, or if they do decide to play in a centralized location, um, that just raises a whole lot of questions. So I think, unfortunately, MLS and WSL in all soccer leagues in the U.S. are a few months behind just because of the complications of being in such a large country with, uh, with so many different cities that are being hit at different rates. I think that makes it really hard for MLS to come back as soon as the Premier League has.
0: Yeah, and Josh, you mentioned before the show that you liked a thread that a baseball player put out today. You want to dive into that a little bit? Because I think it pertains a lot to what MLS is going to have to go through and what all of these major leagues are going to go, have to go through in order to get back to playing.
2: Yeah, so just to preface this, this is a, a pitcher for the Washington Nationals baseball team, um, Washington, D.C., Major League Baseball here in North America in the U.S. Um, and uh, so it's Sean Doolittle's the pitcher. He, so he... Uh, MLB right now, today it was announced that uh, the owners of all the teams have agreed to a scenario where baseball returns, I believe, by July 4th and the players are deliberating it either tonight or they're meeting tomorrow to talk or discussing it tomorrow, whatever the case is. Early returns are not great. Seems like there are a lot of concerns from the players, which is to be expected. Uh, But Doolittle, Put together a great thread on Twitter of some of his concerns, and I'll just go through a couple of of them that really jumped out at me. So he really starts this thread by pointing out that we don't really understand the virus very well. We don't understand its long-term effects, and we don't understand um, it, how it can evolve over time, if it will return, and all these waves or if it's seasonal, any of that stuff. So. He starts off by pointing out that there's still a lot left to learn about this virus and that that is immediately a roadblock in terms of coming back. From there, though, he gets into some really logistical things that I don't think a lot of the general public is taking into consideration. And from the way Doolittle phrases it, it sounds like the owners and the league are not taking these things into consideration. But it all comes down to testing. It comes down to testing the players every single day but then it goes beyond that because it's not just players, it's the coaches, it's the rest of the staff, and the clubhouse, it's security, it's ground crews, umpires, game-based stadium staff, TV, media, and then in another tweet follows that up, Doolittle points out, that's before you get to hotel workers and transportation workers, pilots, flight attendants, bus drivers, that are all essential workers, that are all needed to get any of these games going. So, I just found that really interesting because I think it points to what the larger issue is here. And there's a reason why Korean baseball is, is back. There's a reason why the K league Korean soccer is back. There's a reason why Germany's Bundesliga is returning. And it's because these countries have gotten the virus relatively under control. They have consistent and efficient testing going on in those countries in a way that they can they obviously can't stop the virus because it's a virus. You can't just immediately eradicate it without a vaccine, which is some ways off. But they are, are being much more preventative than it seems like the United States is being. So while it's great that MLS players are doing individual training and NWSL players are coming back and USL is also on its way back, you know, I think Drew is absolutely right when he says we are still months, months away from getting North American soccer back and it's a it's a pretty sucky situation to be in obviously we've talked about that a lot and it's no fun to hear that but i think if we're being extremely realistic that to me personally I, I see two main outcomes two I won't no i won't say it. so two main outcomes with a third possible the first outcome is the league comes back too fast Soccer comes back too fast in this country and too many players and staff and coaches get hit by the virus. And then all the leagues have to shut down again. So I think that's the first main outcome. The second outcome is that you just cancel this year. Just throw it in the trash. Wait until next year. uh, Something that we've discussed at length in a previous podcast. And then the final and I think least likely option is things return and a full season is played because I think at this at this point time is of the essence and time is against all of these leagues and soccer from coming back so I just found the thread to be really illuminating especially from a player's perspective and someone who is very concerned about not only his safety but his family's safety and just the logistical headaches involved with trying to get a league up and running again in the current world climate so Again, I think Drew's right. It could be months before MLS comes back. And again, I think it's great that these individuals are going out and training. It's, it's been really fun to see all these action shots of, of, of players doing drills on their own and, and seeing them smiling and being back on the pitch. It's great. It's great to see all that. But at the same time, you know, I don't want fans to be lulled into a false sense of security. And I especially don't want MLS, of all things, rushing back and getting screwed over again and and just
0: having to shut down again. So,
2: yeah, I, I think we're months away from this.
0: It's tough to say whether or not professional sports, which technically aren't a necessity, but they sure do boost people's morale, I struggle to see if they'll actually bring it back with how many people are at risk. Although it is a massive financial boost to a lot of different people, a lot of different companies, a lot of different organizations. Like, the channels in Canada, Sportsnet and TSN, and I assume in the U.S. as well, ESPN and Fox Sports and all those other sports-heavy channels are struggling right now without live sports, and they need that back in order to be able to drive revenue. So there is that economic factor of, look, these guys are technically healthy. They're in the prime of their lives. They're not really at risk of getting that sick or dying, do we risk it? And that's the big question here. I personally don't think they should, but I'm also of the opinion that I don't think people should go back to school in September. I don't think as a university student, I should be going to lectures because I think 600 people or 300 people or however many are in your lecture in a lecture hall is a bad idea, but you do have to get things back to normal. And It's a matter of figuring out that timing, Um, but with a more optimistic and happy and positive outlook, we aren't without soccer technically. EML or MLS is currently hosting, as we've talked about for the past, I guess four weeks, are hosting a EMLS or FIFA tournament with both the pro FIFA player for clubs and an actual. Professional, your Marky Delgados, Eric Adoy Chicharito, those kind of guys. And over the weekend, our teams, and by our teams, I mean Atlanta and Toronto, faced off. Now, this is where it gets a little hard for me, um, because I already know what's about to come. Toronto faced off against Vancouver in the first round, and Atlanta had... Who did Atlanta have again? Orlando. Orlando. So they had Nanny in the first round. Yeah, some small team in Florida. <laughs> small team. Yes, that <laughs> heated rivalry between you two. Um, but yeah, Atlanta had Orlando. Toronto had Vancouver. In those games, let's run through who we had in the first round. I personally in the first round had Toronto and Marky Delgado going through. And I had... Just to be different and so that we didn't have all three supporting Atlanta, I had Orlando. Who did you guys have uh, in the first round? And then we'll get into the quarterfinal.
1: In the first round, I went opposite of Connor. I went with my home away from home in Vancouver. So I picked the Whitecaps caps of UTFC, which came out to be wrong, uh, Delgado defeated Godoy in Toronto for nothing aggregate win. So I was wrong on that part, but I did pick Vancouver Um, But for Atlanta, Orlando, I stuck with my home five stripes and once again, Atlanta delivered. So Orlando still hasn't beaten Atlanta in anything really. So I went one for two in the first matchup. I picked Vancouver and Atlanta.
2: Wait, so let me get this straight. So Connor, you missed the Atlanta, Orlando pick. And Drew, you missed the. You are correct. Uh, Vancouver-Toronto pick. Well, I, I can see, I can see the glory coming already. because I got both picks correct. I nailed it. I got Toronto over Vancouver, which was a fairly safe pick. I think. That? You know, sorry, Drew, but <laughs> you like Vancouver and you had to pick them. And then obviously Atlanta over Orlando, always a safe pick. Sorry that Connor, you made that you to, mistake. You Had to be the odd guy out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got both of my picks right. I also want to point out that last week when we were making our predictions, I thought that the potential Atlanta Toronto matchup would be good. And I was also correct about that. It ended up being a back, very back and forth between both the MLS guys, Franco Escobar and Marky Delgado, and the EMLS guys, Paulo Neto and uh, Philby94. So. Not only did I get all the picks right, but I also said that the Toronto-Atlanta matchup would be scintillating, and that it was.
0: Yeah, I'm going to defend my pick for a second, because Orlando was my pick just to be different. I fully, as I mentioned in the episode, I fully expect Orlando to get killed. (laughs) But (laughs) I had to take him to be different, so let's get that out of the way. Either way, I screwed up. Well, I'm fully open to that you this was was this your first or second week that you've gone perfect
2: uh this might be the first time in the whole <laughs> tournament that's, that's okay, not and
0: Ju- drew not how many times did you go perfect uh, what was the first week you went perfect
1: last week i was perfect yeah so i think me and oh, josh and what ha- are splitting one apiece and you're just sitting there Oh,
0: oh i'm what happened first week sorry i'm forgetting my first week on Oh right, I went perfect. You well. went perfect. I, so, oh man, I forgot. Yes, I did. I did go perfect. Uh, I don't know how I went perfect.
2: Uh, yeah yeah, he got the he got the Kansas City. So, so he got the
0: picture. technically, you're the last least you're the last perfect of the group. So <laughs> I just wanted to point that out before you start gloating even more about the fact that Atlanta beat Toronto. I, I, I need to hold this over your head just so I have something.
2: This is a this is a good point. This is a fair point, and it just so works out perfectly that we only have one weekend of this le- of this left this tournament.
0: <laughs> so where we will all not get it perfect.
2: Either that or one of us will get it perfect, and that'll end up being the tiebreaker. So we'll uh, let's go ahead and jump into that. The final four teams left are LaFC against Sporting Kansas City on one side of the bracket, and then. Uh, New York City FC against last this past weekend's winner at Land United. So before we get into these predictions, just want to catch any listeners back up to speed on how this tournament has been going so far. The biggest X factor has been the MLS player, and it's no surprise that at least the top three made it. I would say that Sean Johnson for NYCFC was easily the best of his bracket. Adama DiMondi for LAFC the best Juan Kazane for SKC the best in the bracket I will say this, Connor Marky Delgado was very good and he definitely gave Franco Escobar a run for his money at the end of the day Franco needed Atlanta's EMLS guy Paulo Neto to bail him out so I won't say the four best made it because I think an argument could be made that Delgado is better so I'll concede that that I'll, said, I'll just
0: give you Franco Escobar because you won. We'll just give you Franco Escobar because you won. And because Atlanta media talked him up so much, I think our perspectives may have been hurt a little bit on that front.
2: He did look pretty good. I, I mean, that's why I'm saying Delgado looked that much better. I mean, they both looked like, a, like pretty solid FIFA players when it came down to. But anyway, so looks like the the MLS players are really driving which teams are going to win. So. Honestly, I'm excited to see what they're, they're, they're calling it, Championship Sunday. I'm really excited to see how these matches are going to go down. Uh, Drew, let's start with you. Who do you have advancing to the final, and then who do you have winning the whole thing?
1: Yeah, so going to start out in the West here with my predictions. Got LAFC and Sporting Kansas City, and for that, I am picking Sporting Kansas City because in their first two rounds— they won those two by score a combined aggregate score of eleven to nothing, um, which is pretty crazy. Although Diamande really did impress me when because um, I think he beat Calvo Francisco Calvo for Chicago for nothing. So I think this is going to be fun. But at, I mean, how can you not advance after beating your first two opponents eleven to nothing? So I have Sporting Kansas City coming out of the West, and on the East Atlanta United versus NYCFC. This is when, like we said, we've all been perfect once, so this is the week that someone's got to be different. And I don't know what Josh is picking. We haven't talked about this before, but it's got Sean Johnson uh, and Diddy Chris Leto and Franco Escobar and Paulo Neto for Atlanta and Sean Johnson for NYCFC. And Sean and NYCFC didn't concede against Dallas when they played. And they conceded only one against the Red Bulls. And like you said, Josh um Toronto I don't know if it was Toronto was better than we thought I don't know how to judge FIFA skills really well but Atlanta scared me against Toronto cuz Toronto actually blew a couple of leads so Atlanta had me on the edge of my seat so I'm trying to be different I'm trying to get this perfect I'm picking NYCFC to go against Atlanta so my final is Sporting Kansas City and NYCFC and this Was hard to really good teams. Um, Spring Kansas City is obviously dominated on the way here, and NYCFC, same way. But for me, Spring Kansas City, I went in a weird route when I picked this, but Spring Kansas City has two MLS Cups 2000 and 2013. NYCFC has no MLS Cups. Before you win, before you are kings of EMLS, You have to be kings of MLS. So for that reason, I'm picking Sporting Kansas City, EMLS champions 2020, Sporting Kansas City wins it in my book.
0: I have a feeling Sporting Kansas City is probably going to be a very common pick of the three of us. Uh, I guess I'll go mine because I want to get this out before uh, Josh has a chance to make his picks. I am also going to take SKC first round because Juan Cousin sounds like he's just nuts and the fact that they just destroyed both of their opponents in the first two games in the other bracket I think this is a bit more of an even bracket I'm going to go with Atlanta United because you guys talked up Franco Escobar a lot and you mentioned that Paulo Neto is very good on the world stage so I'm going to back those guys to beat NYCFC in the final I'm also going to go SKC because I think it's Their tournament to lose at this point with Juan Cuisine playing as well as he is and the fact that they've just dismantled everybody they've played so far, which puts Josh in a really hard spot. So I want to see what he has to say and whether or not he follows the trend of taking SKC or if he makes a bit of a different choice in L.A.
2: Before we started discussing the picks, I wrote down which which teams I thought were going to win. And you know what? You guys are absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. Juan Cousin, what a baller. That guy's really good at FIFA. And uh, Alexander's seemed pretty good too. And It's been a while since we've really watched LAFC. Maybe they weren't that good after all. So I do think uh, Sporting Kansas City is, is definitely the safe pick. But I'm going LAFC. I think because Cousin is so good, because SKC is so good, they're going to go in a little arrogant, a little too confident. I think LAFC is going to sneak up and get him. So I'm going to pick LAFC to advance to the final as much as I don't want to. And then on the other side of the bracket, I'm sticking with Atlanta. I will also admit I think Sean Johnson plays better than Franco Escobar. And I think uh, Diddy Cristolito might be better than Paulo Neto. I don't don't really know. I think it will actually be really fun to watch these guys play each other. But I'm still sticking with Atlanta. And uh, I'm also going to pick Atlanta to win the final. So I've got a very fun Atlanta LAFC final, which would be great in real life. I would love to see an MLS Cup final between those two teams. Uh, but I've got that going on for this EMLS final, and I'm gonna, i am going i got to stick with my team, picking Atlanta to win the whole thing. I trust Franco. I trust this 17-year-old Paulo Neto. I trust that they'll get it done. So we're going to have to see how this weekend turns out.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling none of us are going to go perfect because of how tight this is, but... Who knows? We'll see. It's going to be exciting to watch. Or I say it's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be exciting for you two to watch and for you to then tell me about. Um, but yeah, that's about the EMLS stuff we had. Is there anything else we need to get into before we talk about what is about to be shown is a first on the podcast?
1: Yeah, we are super excited and thankful because earlier, I think, yeah, yesterday,
0: yeah, earlier this week,
1: might have been yesterday, might have been early today, I don't remember. I got the awesome chance to talk to Washington Spirit goalkeeper Aubrey Bledsoe. Um, so, again, a humongous thank you to Aubrey for taking the time out to talk to me just about life during the virus. Um, yeah, she's with the Washington Spirit, led the league in NWSL and saves last year, won goalkeeper of the year for the NBSL. Um, And just ended her Australian W League season where her team, uh, Sydney FC, got to the W League final. Unfortunately, lost that final. But second year in a row that her club has been to the final. So, really exciting uh, getting to talk to her. And, yeah, the moment you guys have all been waiting for. Um, We're going to talk to Aubrey just about life during the virus and what she's doing to stay in shape. um, And how NWSL is going to be able to come back in what sporting world has for us after the virus so yeah how's it going are you on the way from cincinnati to dc right now
3: yes i'm heading to maryland we're finally getting going yeah here.
1: so how was it for you like how did you stay like training how did you stay informed during all this wild stuff going on
3: um i'm actually sure i had a pretty great setup um uh, the NWCL was temporarily put on hold when I was still in Australia. So I finished up. My team was in the championship there. I flew back and was always planning on going to Cincinnati just for a couple of days before meeting up with my team. And, um, so when everything got shut down, I was just kind of put on hold as to when I'd be meeting up with the rest of the squad. And,
0: you know, one week
3: turned to two, and then just kind of like, well, stay put. You know, it really wasn't safe to travel, and I was better off being with my family. And my younger brother is a goalkeeper, Um, so he was home because his um, team was... So his league was actually uh, canceled. So we were training together in the backyard. They had a basement gym set up. So it was good. I got some great family time and some good training in.
1: Yeah. What league does your brother play in?
3: N-I-S-A league. So he's been around the USL. Um, and then I've never even heard of this league. I don't know if it's like NISA or however you pronounce it. But he's playing for this team, Stumptown, which is in Charlotte. And uh, it's a separate, independent co-league outside of the USL. But uh, they just have a, a short spring season. And so that was just completely canceled when the whole coronavirus outbreak happened.
1: So like you mentioned with Australia, I mean, your game was like one of like the last live sporting events we got to watch before like the cancellations really hit. So how was it like preparing for a championship while all this was going on. Was that hard for you at all? Yeah, it was strange because teams,
3: I would wake up every morning, with there being a 14-hour time difference, uh, my 9 a.m. was 5 p.m. in the States. So I would wake up to a flood of notifications and texts asking how I was, if I'd be able to come back, and you know, new updates about, the European travel ban and March Madness is cancelled and it was just that was strange because in Australia things seemed relatively normal like we were still playing and the restaurants were open and um so nothing was really too out of the ordinary there so it was weird that it seemed like back at home things were chaotic whereas I was kind of in this you know alternate reality was things were normal. So it just created a little bit of worry about um, will I be able to get home to my family and just wanting to be with your loved ones in, in times of uncertainty. But I was grateful that I was still able to play. We still had our championship game um, at our semifinal, which was the 14th. Like that was. And then the final I think was yeah, the 21st of March, and finally Australia was putting some restrictions in there so we could only have 100 fans. But um, it really wasn't that bad to be honest in Australia. I think when I was coming back to the States, there were less than 1,000 cases. So uh, I just I had no idea what uh, COVID-19 would eventually become yeah. <laughs> from life in Australia.
1: Yeah. So, like yourself, there were, I don't know exactly how many, but there were, like, a good number of players in that final. I know, I think Ellie Carpenter was for Melbourne. So, they were players, like, the same spot as you that were, like, getting ready for NWSL season, but also doing this. So, did you guys talk at all about this interesting situation you guys were all in together?
3: Um, honestly, no. I know there was some people on the same flight back to the States. So, our game was Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, Veronica Latsko, um, Haley Hansen, Sofia Huerta, and um, Lindsey Agnew were all on the same flight. And I was on a later one because theirs was actually full. So that was funny to, to you know, fly back with the opponent but the next morning after <laughs> losing to them in a the championship. But um, there wasn't too much camaraderie amongst the teams just because at that point, like, we weren't even, you know, doing high fives, or I mean, handshakes, you know, before the game. It was uh, just like a, a nod, so uh, we were just trying to maintain appropriate distance measures and uh, be responsible, um, or I would have, yeah, definitely chatted more with um, Chef Catley and with friends of um, but also after losing, we were just, no
1: one really went staying around and talked to the other team. So, not too much just catching up or anything. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, while all this was going on, uh, the NWSL had a new commissioner, Lisa Baird, who she's kind of got put in, like, the worst possible situation for a new commissioner. Um, but how do you, how did the NWSL and the Spirit do at keeping you guys in the loop with all this? Uh,
3: honestly, really great. They were... Having conference calls seemed like every day because in the beginning you just never knew what the next day would bring. So um, yeah, the South was having conference calls with each respective team, and then the Washington Spirit was relaying the notes from the calls to us players. So we we were always in the know, and um, yeah, really grateful that um, the leadership now that we have commissioner it seems a lot better structured and now with these protocols that have just come out it seems like we have a good grasp of uh, a plan
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i know when like the new commissioner got released it was super exciting and then all this happened and i felt so bad but uh, yeah from a fan perspective it's super encouraging because i think they're doing an incredible job but with that w league final there were no fans in the stands right
3: They were able to have a hundred, so it was just friends and family. Um, Ended up being the Melbourne City friends and family because no one wanted to travel from Sydney. Uh, None of my teammates' parents uh, were gonna get on a flight at that point. So it was pretty much just a hundred Melbourne City fans and they spaced them out in the stands so no one was sitting next to each other. But it was a massive
1: stadium, so it was very uh, eerily empty. Yeah, how was that playing in a pretty close-to-empty stadium for you?
3: It was strange just because it, being a championship game, it felt more of like a preseason friendly behind closed doors. Uh, it didn't have the vibe of uh, the big match of the season. Um, but it didn't change my mentality or anything. If If anything, I actually wanted to win more just because we were realizing it might be a while until we play soccer again. So I really wanted to end on a high note. Um, So it's disappointing to lose. Obviously, it would have been a lot more fun and enjoyable with fans and a rowdy crowd and uh, a great atmosphere. But, um, yeah, it it was a beautiful stadium. So, yeah, it's a shame that it was empty. But I'm glad that the game was still played and we got to have... A championship and, and finish the
1: season off. Yeah, it was so cool watching that game because like everyone was like researching Sydney and Melbourne City, and it was so cool watching it. So it was fun, but yeah, it was definitely weird. But um, so we talked about like keeping in touch with the team and the league. What about like you guys as teammates and coaches? Did you get to stay in touch with like your teammates and coaches through all this?
3: Yeah, um the spirit. We've been doing weekly group. Uh, Zoom calls, um, so that's been great, just to kind of keep on the same page. I feel a little bit out of loop just because I'm in Cincinnati and everyone is together in Maryland, but, um, yeah, it's a lot of online stuff. The coaches have been giving us challenges every week. We'll have a physical challenge from our strength and conditioning coach, uh, some video homework, and we'll also have a technical challenge, so something to do with juggling or or touches and off the wall, and we just send in videos, and it's been fun. They award the winners with Uber Eats gift cards, and so that's been cool. They're finding great ways to keep us all engaged uh, and still feel connected, even though it's obviously a lot harder not being
1: in person. Yeah, and I saw a video of you. I think you were kicking a soccer ball in a treehouse. Did that, like, um, win you an Uber Eats? Like, that had to win something.
3: Uh, no, that was just me on my own. Uh, my mom just wanted a treehouse in the backyard, so uh figured there's no better time than now. Okay. So um, me and a friend of mine actually built that uh, in about a week, and um, I was just like, Getting some touches in the backyard, and the like, oh, Let's play a little game. I was playing like soccer, bocce with my dad, and so I just, it's okay, like, hey, I'm just gonna kick it in the treehouse, and it was kind of fun, and I made it. So I was like, let's video this. <laughs> but no, that was that was not a challenge. Um, I'm trying to think of some of uh, what um, we had to do. This one where we like balance a roll of toilet paper on our foot, and, uh, do like, um, yeah, kind of like a stand on the ground, as, yeah, a central type of challenge, they're just random videos that we found that have gone viral and stuff, we just did the fruit roll-up or challenge, have you seen that one, where you just eat a fruit roll-up, as you can without your hands, so, so, the technical challenges are soccer related, like how many touches you can get off a wall in the air, but, um, some of the physical ones are just for
1: fun. Yeah, I saw, I've seen, like, the toilet paper thing, and ever since I saw the video, I've been trying to do it. I haven't gotten it yet, but one day, <laughs> one day I hope I'll get there. It looks pretty cool.
3: It takes some, some good mobility.
1: Yeah, in high school, like, in my, like, weight training class, like, once a week, we did, like, tumbling, like, we would do cartwheels and stuff. So, like, maybe then I could do it, but that was, like, three years ago. But one day, I'm going to get this toilet paper challenge done.
3: Yeah, that's great. I mean, body control is, is huge, too. If you follow Paige Nielsen, one of our challenges was a book challenge where you have to balance a book on your head, and she crushed it. So you can check out her Instagram posts. I couldn't do this one, but, yeah, if that, that can be your next next one. Try to do this book balancing challenge. It's, it's quite hard. Yeah. Paige Nielsen.
1: Yeah, I need to do that. Speaking of, like, are you a big reader at all? Like, have you been reading anything during the break?
3: Yeah, I do like to read. Um, I've been cranking off, yeah, a bunch of books. I just finished this um, book, Just Mercy, which they also recently made to a movie with Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. That one's pretty good. Um, I've, yeah, I got a bunch more to read. I'm about to start Andre Agassi's memoir, *Open*. That's been recommended to me by a lot of people. Um, And just reading a lot of kind of like sports psychology books, just because now is a great time to work on the mental side of things. So, yeah, I've been definitely doing a lot of reading.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned the book thing, like the only book I've been reading is Lord of the Rings, because I've seen all the movies, and they're incredible, but I never read the books. So that's a pretty thick book, so that might hurt my head, but that's cool.
3: Yeah, those are classics. Yeah,
1: they're so good. I'm loving it um but yeah about like the sports psychology like the mental side of the game how do you think this break like have you seen yourself grow in that side through all this
3: yeah um to be honest I, i kind of felt myself needing a break towards the end of the australian season just because it's been about three years now that i've almost had a game like every weekend um obviously I had no idea what was coming for me, <laughs> but, um, it's just been really sweet to be home with my family. Um, we're all very close. I, I consider myself, um, very blessed to have a very loving, supporting family. Um, that so that's been great just to kind of recharge and refresh me and give me some more, uh, you know, fuel as I get back into training now. Cause the daily grinds, it really takes a lot out of you and in your pursuit to be the best you can be to do that day in and day out. it's hard to maintain that level of performance and that level of high expectation for yourself and that others have of you Um, over time. It just, it wears on you. So uh, I'm definitely feeling recharged and excited to get back at it and, in a team environment
1: again yeah so like you mentioned um with the Australian season in WSL um needing that break was there like a certain point for you where you were done with the break and you wanted to get back to the NWSL was there like a specific moment that you were ready to get back at it um
3: not necessarily um I would just say I miss competing like right now there's outside of the Games with my family. (laughs) There's a whole, you know, part of my personality that just uh, seems untapped right now. So um, I'm excited to get back to that. Um, But it's not like I haven't. I wouldn't say that I've been sitting around home like miserable and like dying to get back to NW Cell. But I'm just uh, this whole time I felt like I haven't truly been able to be myself and to do what I'm created to do and what I love to do. So it's more I'm excited to to get back to that. But um there wasn't really a time where I was like, okay, I'm over this, like let's get back to work. It's just always been um yeah not completely myself. So I'm excited to be able to fully express myself through training and competition and hopefully then the games.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So since the last time we talked, you got to do women's national team, the U S women's national team, a uh, cap with Costa Rica and Sweden. So how was that experience for you? How was all of that for you?
3: It was, it was great. It was, um, kind of like a tease in a sense, just like a taste of, you know, my ultimate goal. But yeah, we did talk a lot about that um, last time we were on the phone. And so, yeah, it was something I've dreamed of my entire life, and I hope that I get another opportunity to be in that environment. It was very challenging. The level of play was the best I've experienced just because it's a collection of the best players in the world. So I really enjoyed it being challenged every day and, and having to play my best. Um, so I really hope that I can have another opportunity to play in that environment again. So we'll see what happens with the Olympics being pushed back a year. Um, hopefully our league will get going. My goal is to have another great season, and hopefully that will award me another look with the national team but um yeah who who knows what the future holds for professional sports and, and for the women's national team
1: yeah so like you mentioned um playing with the U.S. women's national team incredible honor with the best players in the world after that camp do you see yourself as like improved as a player after experiencing that
3: yeah for sure um just because when you train with the best you become the best um you know, we've got a couple national team players, Rose and Andy, on the Spirit, but that's not the whole 25-player squad. So when you get those players of those that caliber together, it just brings out another level of play that you just haven't unlocked before. So just being around such crafty players uh, who are technically... Near perfect and make great decisions. Their speed of play is so much quicker.
1: Uh, it definitely elevated my game and uh, was fun to play. Yeah, so like you mentioned, Andy Sullivan and Roosevelt and the Spirit. And when we talked last time, uh, you mentioned how the Spirit had really kind of surprised a lot of people last season. Like you guys were in first place for a little bit. And 2020 really looks like a shot the Spirit could potentially win the title but what are the expectations for you guys going into 2020?
3: We definitely expect to make the playoffs this year Um, getting yeah fifth place barely missing off on missing out on that last playoff spot was a huge letdown so playoffs are definitely an expectation and from there you know anything can happen and in the playoffs, just in the semifinals and the final, so um, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, North Carolina is going to be an incredibly tough team to beat again, um, and everyone has made some good moves in the off season. And then with COVID nineteen, it's kind of thrown another element into teams' preparations. So I think it's going to be interesting once we get going again. I think the teams that are the both mentally strong and who have been able to stay disciplined and fit during this break, I think those teams are going to start the season uh, well.
1: Yeah, and like with this season being so different um, in whichever way they change it, we don't know, but how important do you think getting off to a good start whenever the season does start, how important is it to start off well this year?
3: Oh, hugely important. I think momentum is, is definitely a big factor in sports. Um, so, yeah, we kind of started the beginning of the season on a, on a massive win streak and carried that for a couple months. Uh, and you don't want to dig yourself into a hole in the standings from the get-go. It's a lot easier <laughs> playing from ahead than trying to catch up with everybody um, and just set a tone that you're one of the contenders early on that's huge so hopefully we can have another good start this year
1: yeah and last time we talked we talked a little bit about nwsl expansion and louisville is getting a team uh super exciting so how how do you think as a player how do you view nwsl expansion
3: i think it's great i hope it's yeah, still happens. Obviously, it's, you know, in, in the past, it seemed like a for sure thing. But with the whole coronavirus outbreak, I hope that our league can still find success this year and still grow. Um, I'm sure it's going to look a lot different regarding fans and attendance numbers. Uh, I hope we can still get corporate sponsorships involved. Um Realistically, I'm sure companies are going to cut their advertising budgets. So a lot of things remain un- unclear about the future, but we definitely need to have a 10th team to get uh, yeah, a full season in there. It gets old playing teams three times in the season, so it'd be nice to continue to expand. And I think we're at a point where we have enough talent to add another team and continue to grow and continue to attract some great international talent.
1: Yeah, so like you said, with all the virus, um, a lot of uncertainty, and the NWSL had a lot of really good momentum going into it with the 10th team and just TV deals. Um, How do you think the NWSL keeps up that momentum, even though sports are kind of on pause right now?
3: That's a good question. Uh, I'm sure all the owners are are trying to answer that one. Um, I personally hope that people care too much about women's sports now to let our league fail or decline. Because, yeah, women's sports globally are making a huge push, um, especially with the U.S. Women's National Team lawsuit. People are really starting to get behind our cause and to realize how talented we are and support us and and enjoy what we put out on the field so i hope that um, yeah people care and, and i think they do and you can see that the world is missing sports right now so i hope just when it gets back that uh, people continue to support us in whatever way possible
1: yeah for sure yeah well aubrey thanks so much for talking with me again really do appreciate it. and yeah we are excited to watch you guys in 2020 and hope you stay safe and we'll see you on the field hopefully soon
3: yeah thanks i know who knows hopefully end of june but um it's looking better than it did a month ago so yeah hopefully Hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel
1: yeah absolutely yeah thanks again aubrey and yeah stay safe and we'll see you on the field soon
3: of course yeah you too thanks
1: So, yeah, that was Aubrey Bledsoe of the Washington Spirit and the NWSL um, and Sydney FC in the Australian W League. And again, a few months, thank you, to Aubrey, for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I really do appreciate it. And if you want to read more about Aubrey um, and her year in 2019, I got the opportunity to talk to her in November. Um, and that story is on MLS Multiplex. So please, if you would like to know more about Aubrey um, and just read more about her journey, um, please go check that out. And as well as checking that story out, please go back to the website mlsmultiplex.com. Even through this break, riders are cranking out really good stuff and trying to help keep this time past. Really tough time, but it seems that we're all getting through this together. So please go visit the website for some really good stories. Um, And please give us a visit on social media the website mlsmultiplex at mlsmultiplex, connor at cwg somerville uh, josh at josh underscore boland um, and myself at underscore drew hubbard so yeah thank you guys so much for listening uh next week we have emls championship sunday so we'll be talking all about emls and uh this tournament as a whole and maybe maybe one of us was perfect so be sure to keep listening uh for emls stuff um and yeah thanks again and we will see you guys next week
0: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. You can check out all of the contributors' written work at mlsmultiplex.com.